0: Episode 292, The Rant, Dave Mocha, the Panda Referee. David Mocha is on a single-minded track to get people involved in the game of hockey, specifically officiating it. In this pod, we discuss his come-up playing hockey young, his experience playing in high school and in college, how he discovered officiating, and raising awareness of how fulfilling reffing hockey can be through the being the Panda Referee. All that and more, my conversation with David, Now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio. A state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolas decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest by way of Tampa, Florida, the 813. Hockey official uh, down in the southeast, also uh, known on social media outlets as the Panda Ref, Mr. David Mocha. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you, Ralph. I really appreciate you uh, having me, and I know it's been um uh... Long time coming, but uh, we finally made it work and uh, so happy to be a part of uh, what you are doing here.
0: I appreciate that, man. And also, you know, kudos and congratulations to what you're doing as well. I always find this in a weird space because um, as referees, we are always taught to uh, not use any type of social media, not to be, uh, be seen and not heard. And I think you and I are a testament to flipping that and saying it's okay to use social media as long as it's like a positive thing. Would you agree on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know in, in the past, uh, I've definitely posted things that, you know, I just thought were fun and, and, and forgetful. But I think at the same time, we got to make sure that we're being thoughtful in our posts uh, and make sure that it has a purpose and uh, that there's a direction in mind. And, and everything's for the love of the game, it's not to get back at anyone. It's not to settle any old arguments or go against the grain, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um but I think, uh, I think if it comes from the heart and it comes uh, from, a, from a true and place of love uh, and support and education for the game, I think uh, all the more kudos to you. Um, I think right now we're in a weird time of just self-policing um, and, and just making sure that everything uh, has a purpose and we're going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, as long as you have that thought uh, between what you're posting, I'm, I'm sure that you uh, will stay out of trouble um, as myself as well. And, of course, you know, we, we try to do this, I want to say, last October. This was kind of like when Referee Rant was still kind of in the beginning stages. And now it's like I, I definitely during the pandemic, I've definitely been on my grind and I've been just trying to, uh, you know, make some stuff, be creative. Um, then I try to get in touch with you and then you had a little situation and, you know, it is 2020. So I'm not surprised of anything happening at this moment in time. So if you told me that an alien came by and snatched your dog and you went to Mars really quick I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) because that's how everything is. It seems like it's going. But obviously we've been kind of in touch, but uh, the coronavirus uh, has been going on this whole time, at least for a year. And I know you have a different reality than me. My best friend lives in Tampa, Florida, and I speak to him almost every day. And it just sounds crazy because he can't believe that there's no basketball going on where I'm at. And I can't believe that he has basketball going on where he lives. So I don't know which one is true. I think partly both of us are kind of true, and it just goes to show how not united we are in this this time. But I want to go back to those early moments. Well, first, I want to ask you, how's your family holding up with uh, the coronavirus? How are you holding up? And when was the moment that you took all this really serious?
1: Those are great questions. Uh, I'll start with the first one. Uh, To everyone out there that's struggling through COVID, trust me, you are not alone. And uh, I think uh, more importantly than ever, it is time to really make uh, health uh, a priority, especially mental health. Uh, whenever something's going on, having an outlet, having someone to talk to, having those support systems, and uh, just l- allowing yourself to appreciate what you have. It's not how much you have, it's what you have, and, and it's appreciating what you have. And uh, if you get outside those realms, just go back to, to a little bit of gratitude, uh, a hug. You know, for some people that might be tougher than being so far away from each other, but definitely stay connected with your loved ones. Um, And for me, that's been a a priority and uh, kind of taking a step back and officiating a little bit to make that a priority um, has definitely benefited my mental health um, going forward. So I'm very, very appreciative of everyone that supported me throughout uh, this past year. And uh, I look forward to doing the same for anyone else uh, that could use an uplift.
0: Now, going back to those times in March, um, were you in the midst of a game when when you found out all this was going on? And with respect to officiating, was it something where everything kind of shut down and then you lost a lot of games?
1: Yeah, I mean, just like anyone else, uh, going through the struggle of of trying to get the right information, I think, uh, has been uh, a tough part throughout this process. Uh, make sure that, that you are doing everything you can to stay away from some of those dirty areas or, or just crowded areas. Um, and just being double, you know, double checking the cleanliness. I think, uh, at the end of March, um, it was a little shocking that, um, that everything got shut down so quickly. But at the same time, uh, we got to prioritize our health. For me, officiating really started with, uh, the passion to be a part of the game. But, um, after a bunch of injuries, uh, in college, um, I, I'm no longer able to play at the level, at the professional level or at the collegiate level that I was used to. Uh, so for me taking a step back and, and realizing that kind of a, not the best job market when I got out of college back in uh, 2013, it was, it was a struggle to find a job. So for me, uh, getting into officiating helped me one, get back with the community that I love and that supported me so for so long. Um, but also, um, also, just give back to the opportunities that I had, and, and for me, it was walking out of college debt-free uh, because of the scholarships and uh, and the importance of education uh, throughout that process. So, um, don't ignore your studies, guys. Make sure that you stay on top of those things because it, it does come in handy and it does pay off.
0: Mm. And we'll we'll get into your come up with uh, playing hockey, and I'm interested myself because out of all the things that I officiate, I would trade everything just to do hockey. But I know I can't. I just can't skate like you. I can't. So <laughs> it's going to be really difficult for me to even try to do that. And you know, I I envy those people that are in the uh, NHL because I'm like, man, that looks so fun. They go, they get the backpedal. They go up the board. They stop fights. Like, that's not my reality. There's no way I could skate like that. I just want to stay up. But uh, back to the coronavirus, out of all of this time um, that we've had to contemplate, think, and get closer to our family, and, of course, upend um, our officiating life as we know it, what do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time?
1: Um, I really learned who, who, you know, who are the people that reached out to me. I learned how much I missed the game, how much I loved the game. Uh, It definitely brought a sense of um, fulfillment when hockey did come back to Florida. Um, And it it just reminded me um, that start your dreams today. You know, don't wait. Don't, you know, because it's just going to keep nagging you and nagging you and nagging you. For me, it was really, you know, when, when am I going to take Panda referee to the next level? How am I going to not make this about me, but make this about a community? And I may not know, have all the answers. I may not know every rule and the rule book for international play and, and U S play and Canada play and all things like that. But you know what, there is a community out there that is willing to talk and uh, let's let them listen. And, you know, let's, let's all share information. I think one of the greatest importance is not being afraid to share your information. When something happens, whether good or bad, a lot of officials, you know, they don't want to share that because, one, they're a little bit embarrassed. They don't want to make fun of. Two, if they do share it, they'll, they're, they're worried about their priority on the ranking scale, if you're going to get more games, if you're not going to get more games. And they're they're just worried that, that people will, will shun them or, or, or kind of close them off. So I, I wanted to create a community where we can talk about these things, where we're not going to be embarrassed, and where we can uh, promote some of the mistakes, not promote them, and that we'll do them more often. But let's let's talk about these things, so then they don't happen in the future, and we can learn from each other. So I think that's the, that was a key for me. Um, also, you know, not being able to skate, rollerblading, living in a Florida, there's not much, uh, not many ponds that freeze down here. So um, use what you have. Um, if, you know, if you're a basketball official, um, go for a run. You know, get, make sure you get those legs stretched out. Um, keep the preparation going every day. Um, it's really going to pay off once you get back, because I can tell you for a fact that once you get back, your mind's a little bit slower. Um, you know, watching video helped me a lot. Uh, rollerblading outside helped me a lot. So, add those things and uh, and, and keep in discussions with your fellow officials. Um, it's really going to go a long way.
0: Yeah, that's all great information. And we'll talk about that rebranding. But, you know, obviously you have a great passion uh, for hockey. And, you know, I, I never even got a chance to tell my audience about how much I love the game of hockey. And it's not because of my experience playing or growing up uh, around the game, it's more so when I was a kid around sixth grade, the sports games that EA made, the best games to me were always the NHL hockey series. And I used to be playing. NHL hockey, 92 all the time with my friends. And I remember I would play with the Chicago Blackhawks. And my um, I would always use Jeremy Roenick because what he would do is, like, since he was uh, a defenseman, I would slash the, the hell out of somebody and then go coast to coast and then and score a goal. And I would always try to get a hat trick with him. So I, I have me personally a deep affinity towards the game of hockey. And, you know, before we start, I know we're taping this on December 21st, right before Christmas, um, they just announced the National Hockey League is going to have a shortened season of 50 plus games. Are you excited for that?
1: Absolutely. I think it's great. Um, it's going to be a heck of a sprint just because it's, uh, uh, it's half a season of time. Uh, crammed with about three fourths of the game. So, um, usually, uh, during the hockey season, we're seeing, uh, a team play about three or four times a week out of that seven day span. Now we're going to see more, something more like four or five times a week. So, uh, not too many off days. Um, you know, I just hope that the guys, uh, stay stretched out. Um, I hope that, uh, any, you know, any injuries that happen that they're able to recover. It's just, it's going to be one of those things, one of those seasons where everything has to go right. But at the same time guys gotta prepare themselves and make sure that they're they're ready to go and their body feels good. But it's gonna be very interesting because fifty games season is, is a lot different than eighty two games.
0: Oh yeah. And and any those that don't know from my audience, like it it always kinda parallels the game of basketball, even though it's eighty plus games and I I think this time you you think about the stretch and and now that's the perfect way to put it. It's condensed season, but the frequency is more in that time. So it's going to definitely going to be a frenetic pace. But you obviously have uh, a passion of officiating. um, But before that, you have this great, deep, deep, deep passion of hockey. Having said that, where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school and in college?
1: Sure. Um, my passion kind of stemmed, uh, I'm a first generation in the U.S. My, my parents are both immigrants. My dad immigrated from, uh, Israel. Uh, he has Moroccan and Egyptian background as well as Israeli. My mom is from Panama. She's Hispanic and she, she grew up in, uh, in Panama. And so uh, there's not much hockey in either places. Uh, but my dad moved over to the U.S. when he was age 10 and then started. I brought, met, joined the military, met my mom in Panama and brought her to the U.S. And so being a Jewish guy, being kind of a Middle Eastern Hispanic background, living in the South, living in North Carolina at the time because my dad was in the military in Fort Bragg. It was tough. There wasn't much available. But my dad growing up in New York, he said he would watch uh, hockey players. And even football players, um, when coming from Israel, and there's no there's no football or hockey there. He thought that those shoulder pads were actually their real shoulders. He's like these <laughs> men are giants, and so uh, he he started kind of the passion for hockey for me. And he'd take me to public skates, and I remember uh, playing tag as the first way to learn how to skate. It forces you to start, stop, uh, fall down, but get back up and and go tag your friend. So um, that was a lot of fun. I remember my mom being uh, working at the ice rink and I was kind of a rink rat just hanging around all day and and help her and Zamboni the ice and and just watching that and growing up with that was really special. Uh, I moved to Florida about uh, in 2000, so when I was turning 10 years old, I only lived here for about six years. Um, My life was school, home, uh, hockey rink (laughs) and uh, it was pretty repetitive. But it was the dedication to hockey um, down in the Stephen Hudson Academy down in Ellington, Florida, that really promoted my skills where we were skating uh, two or three times a day, a few hours a day. And uh, I got a lot better really quickly uh, and, and and earned me a scholarship to play at South Kent, um, South Kent Prep School um, up there. And now they're known as Select Academy. So when I went there, they, they played the uh, other prep schools in the area. And um, now they're kind of like an AAU, kind of a travel team where they'll play other teams in the area uh, some of the top teams and they'll compete for a national championship where previously they would have competed for a New England championship. But in the prep school level, you know, kudos to them for growing that program.
0: How do you think you gravitated towards the game of hockey, especially when you were uh, in a place that you know, just doesn't seem conducive to hockey. And I know that there are professional hockey teams uh, in the Southeast, specifically, obviously Tampa Bay. And, and you got uh, the Jacksonville, uh, what is it? Yeah. Jacksonville, right. There's a Jacksonville team. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I think about how I got into basketball. I got into basketball because no one wanted to play baseball in my neighborhood and basketball was just a forgiving game. You could play one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, five-on-five and it seemed like you didn't really have to spend a lot of money. What what made you gravitate towards the game of hockey?
1: I think it was my dad's passion um, that kind of gravitated me towards it. I think I think I was just a very a super hyper kid growing up and um, chasing the puck, seemed a lot of fun, <laughs> and uh, and just learning skate, skating and the stick handling. I did grow up playing soccer uh, alongside with hockey, and my parents got to a point. I was like about uh, age seven, where they said, uh, "You know, we can't afford both, so you got to pick one." <laughs> and I just remember that. Uh, I guess just the the, the neurons in my bo- in my mind would just fire off more when I played hockey. I just loved it because I knew that there was just I had to think the game a little bit, and I had to make sure that. Uh, that my hands were moving alongside my feet because stick skills are very different than skating skills. So um, putting those things together was definitely a challenge. And I think it just fueled me uh, being around the rink all the time. I think that was kind of where my passion started.
0: Mm. Now, during your time at SKS prep, was there a recruitment process when you were getting to college? What was that like?
1: Oh, uh, the recruitment process. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was difficult. I had, um, I had a, my sophomore year. So I went for my sophomore, junior, and senior year. My sophomore year, we, we were very talented. Uh, one of the top teams in the uh, New England. And uh, we ended up making this final four. We lost in the semifinals, unfortunately. Uh, very heavy juniors and seniors. And me being a sophomore, I ended up playing the third line. But I, I played a role, and I played in that role as best as I could. Second year, um, I had a really great year with my uh, my teammates. And I was really looking forward to you know the chemistry was perfect uh then we just had uh we had a lack of depth and we had a bunch of injuries that really uh weakened the team so we didn't make it as far as we thought we would from the freshmen had to step up and um and we just didn't have the depth to, to be able to fill in some of those roles and uh, then um and then my senior came around and we had a, we were stacked we had a bunch of seniors and juniors and it was it was a lot of fun but the team just didn't have chemistry there was a uh, I don't know if you ever had a situation where there's like groups within a group, (laughs) so there's like clicks within the clicks, and not the team. The whole team didn't get quite get along. Um, On paper, we looked fantastic. We looked like we were the favorites, but we'd always find ourselves um, being our own worst enemy and uh, and and playing to the level of play of the other team. So uh, recruitment was a little bit tough, just because there was some off years and there's some some things that just didn't go our way, but. I ended up finding my home at uh, Manhattanville college right outside New York city in white plains, New York, uh, where I played for two seasons. Um, both seasons were kind of injury ridden. Uh, I never really got to, to get my feet wet. Um, but uh, luckily it was division three. And, uh, and I was really grateful because in division three, you can't uh, give out, uh, athletic scholarships. You can only give out ag- academic academics. So for me, my academics were fantastic and I was able to get a scholarship using that. But after my, uh, Kind of me three major surgeries and injuries. Um, I had to hang them up, and uh, luckily for me, focusing on my academics allowed me to stay at the college and finish my credits instead of go back home and having to redo classes and redo credits and spend more money. You know, I, I ended up hanging up the laces for two years, last, my final two years, just because uh, the passion wasn't there and the injuries um, just kind of kept building up, and so. I, uh, I had to prioritize my health.
0: Mm. Now I, I know that situation of of just you know kind of going in and out of the passion. Sometimes it gets reignited. Um, was it a situation where you ended up playing adult leagues after college, or did you have ambitions of trying to play pro?
1: Um, you know, just I gotta let you know. I mean i i definitely I definitely didn't have the best. I, I didn't. I didn't retire on my terms. <laughs> Being injured and, and having to stop. Um, you know, I was a little bit bitter about the game. I think it took me about three years to, to, to find the passion for the game and I found it through officiating. Um, it, it, it was a, it was a suggestion that my mom made. So my junior and senior year, I kind of just enjoyed college. And then, um, my, my, first year out of college, I kind of came home and worked a bunch of different jobs. did not really find anything that I could dig my feet into or, or find a mentor that I can kind of get behind. And so I I floated through sports business a lot. I worked uh, for USA football. I worked for the Tampa Bay Rays. I worked for the Tampa Bay Lightning, community hockey. But at the end of the day, I just, I was was searching to work in sports management. And uh, my mom made the suggestion, hey, why not officiating? And, you know, in my experience with officials as a player, I didn't like them very much. I didn't, I didn't know them. I just, I just, I was really troubled that when I was growing up, all my coaches would tell me just shut up don't talk to the ref you know be quiet you don't want to say anything that's going to make them mad like and i just thought to myself I'm like why why can't we have a relationship with these officials why can't why are they not human why why do we have to treat them like they're they're the blame for every situation that happens that's negative in our case and um so i i kind of did this as like a you know what i'll give it a try like let me learn something maybe i can make some extra money and uh, I kind of reconnected with some, some old players that I used to play with uh, that we, you know, kind of took time and disconnected for a bit and reconnected and found my passion for the perspective of an official. Um, it's the best seat in the house. Uh, you get to be an integral part of the game. The whole idea of this whole panda ref thing is that you, you, you can be part of the game, but you don't need to blow the whistle and you don't need to make, your, make yourself known all the time. if if the game has flow and and the players are playing clean and they're playing hard, there are, there are judgments called, and there's a standard in which you can officiate that and, and let the game um, play itself out. So that was definitely one, one way I was, uh, I was looking at the whole Panda referee versus how hockey referees were known as zebras uh, being striped.
0: Mm. Now going back to the Panda refs, I, I know when I first started referee rant, I really didn't have any direction of what I was doing because Probably the same way you feel there wasn't a template of what you do social media wise with um, officials and then specifically hockey referees. So um, how did you conceive of the idea and how much has it changed over time?
1: It's changed quite a bit. Um, I'm starting to finally put things on paper and create this idea and, and, and organizing my intention on what my posts are. Uh, I think before, my, my only and simple goal was to recruit as many officials as I can, show everyone that hockey, being an official is fun. It's not about blaming and it's not um, about about being mean to the players or trying, you know, if they, if they question you to just not talk to them. It wasn't about a power struggle for me. It was about giving back. It was about uh, making hockey fun and making uh, officiating not you versus me, but us. Because it takes us to keep the game safe. It's not me versus you. And the more I penalize, it doesn't mean the game is safer. It just means that I'm holding players accountable. And sometimes, it's, you know, I always say that you can't overcall a game. Um, if it's in the intention of safety, for sure. But I think at the end of the day, safety is priority, and it takes us, players, coaches, parents, Officials, to keep the players and everyone safe and me alone <laughs> just because i have a whistle and stripes and i have a registration from from different certifications doesn't uh, allow me uh to be a know-it-all or to to uh to have that type of uh, power struggle for me it's about us we're a community and we need to work together uh to accomplish these goals
0: yeah, that that's a great point. Um, just from saying that, you know, initially you started uh, trying to recruit people. Um, I always try to tell people that things that you, I guess, perceive what officials are, i.e., you know, get yelled at players, we have to regulate. That is really like the microcosm of how people outside of officiating feel about officiating. Right. So, for instance, when you're talking about penalties and, and then you're getting adversarial with the players, that only happens like and if I had to put a percentage on it, maybe like 10 percent of the time. And unfortunately that's what's focused on 100% of the time when you're talking about officials. So I think you and I are kind of united in that same front of like referee awareness, the holistic approach of it, that it is fun that you can do, do a lot of great things with it. Right. To me, it's a, it's a great balance of being physically um, active as well as mentally active because it, it gives me both of those solaces when doing it. And you know, just for me with referee rant. I just want to show people I'm swaggy, man. Like I'm, I'm swaggy. I I, I could be, I could have some drip even though I'm a referee, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's how I always Uh, felt about it.
1: And and going back to how, how, um, you know, I started off because I tried to show that you can have fun and, and and that's a big no, no, just like social media, having any type of social media is a no, no and having fun while you're officiating is a no, no. And it's really disturbing to me why we can't do that because it always comes off to the layperson that we're being unprofessional or that we um, were just, I mean, it really comes down to professionalism. It seems like to me, you can have fun, you can be professional and you can bring that energy because a lot of the players feed off that energy. There's times that they're, they're a little, um, you know, lackadaisical and their feet are sinking and just like quicksand Uh, maybe they played a few games already and maybe they're a little tired. So you know, bringing that energy, showing that excitement, it does transpire and it does uh, improve the quality of the, of the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll, I'll even say further, right? I just think that, you know, the longer that you officiate, I mean, you see all these people at the same time always. Right. So you kind of grow up with coaches. You you see players grow up. I, I just had a conversation yesterday. All the kids that I used to ref like in eighth grade are now either in the NBA or, they they're Division One athletes in, on the on the uh, men's side, and it's like it's crazy to me to think that you know these are kids that <laughs> I used to call technical fouls locally, and now they're they're doing big things. They're like rock, ranked top ten in the country, but you know I think that's that's something that's really important to just let everyone know that we are a, a very important integral part of any type of sporting event that happens. Now um, you do have a deep passion of. Officiating and officiating hockey, that is. Would you ever consider officiating any other sport? And if so, what would it be?
1: Absolutely. I've actually, uh, last year, I registered to be a lacrosse official. Um, lacrosse down here in Tampa, Florida has grown quite a bit. So, unfortunately, I only got to do three games last year just because COVID hit at the wrong time and right when the um, lax was kind of starting up. But um, I, I'm looking into uh, soccer and basketball as well. I'm not sure about football. I don't know if I really have the passion for football, but I, if I can get under someone's wing and learn a little bit, I'm open to any sport. You know, just the ones that are readily available off the top of my head and no soccer, uh, maybe even like tennis or, or, or volleyball would be really cool too. But uh, living in Florida, sunny Florida, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of outdoor ones that uh, I would love to participate in. Um, and I think, you know, that'll make me a better official if I learn other rules, other sports to know why and how they govern their um, their players and 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 kind of you know probably best practices of like how to prepare for a game and how to handle situations you know there is no guidebook to to how to when a player or a coach or someone has a question or or even kind of abruptly comes to you and and, and maybe not the most professional manner you know what's the script <laughs> and And that is a huge thing I think that uh, you and I can definitely bring value to to every every player, every coach, every fan, every parent uh, is to have a little empathy and and realize that sometimes when when someone's yelling at you, it's not because they're yelling at you, they're yelling at the situation, maybe they're angry at the situation. And just to remind yourself that it's not personal all the time. And half the time I, I was completely wrong on the reason why they were yelling. Sometimes they're yelling because they they, they thought play, you know, the play over here was, uh, was incorrect. When in my head, I'm thinking, oh, the play over there was the one that they're talking about. So allowing yourself to be a listener first and uh, before you communicate um, and then knowing what to say and how to, how to um, bring down the confrontation and the, uh, the temperature of the games, what we call it hockey, uh, you know, kind of that, 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 aggressiveness, that temper that having a little bit more temperament and, uh, and being able to be empathetic with the situation is definitely the best way to approach uh, those confrontations.
0: Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. And, and we definitely are, um, unified in that front of, you know, and to me, I kind of just let all of that type of stuff happen. Cause I'm like, all right, well I got a website and I'm just going to write about this. So you continue to keep saying craziness because I'm just, it, it just inspires me to write. I would be remiss to, you know, obviously I think that a lot of people identify you as a mentor of sorts of, you know, trying to get people to be interested in hockey, to, to officiate on that side. Um, but I want to give you the opportunity to just talk about any mentors that you have, what they've done for your career and how do you think all of your mentors helped you shape the way you've helped people after you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The best mentor I got to say is uh, my best friend, uh, Barney Skobis. This guy was a heck of a referee in his time. He uh, he actually attended the official development program. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, politics and, and uh, maybe just situational things that could have been handled better, I'm sure, he was unfor- Unfortunately, he wasn't able to, to get to the next level, but he's been uh, a huge uh, impact in my life as far as guiding me towards, you know, the right things, uh, the right proper techniques, you know, little things in the rule book that can really help you, uh, Tool, you know, understanding every tool you have in the toolbox, you know, how to avoid situations, um, how to... Uh, when to be aggressive and when not, you know, when to put your foot down um, as if you're a parent and and what to say um, has, he, he's been a huge impact. Unfortunately, besides him, there's really hasn't been too many. I mean, there's been definitely supervisors out there, but not too many that have taken me under their wing, be, mostly because of my social media page. You know, I, I my first four years, of, I've been doing this about 10 years. My first four years of officiating, I didn't say anything. I just, I went along, you know, whenever something happened, I was like, okay, yeah, let's go with that. Because I knew I didn't know what I was talking about. So I allowed situations to happen and I just kind of went with the flow. But after my fourth year, I really was disturbed about what I saw. And, you know, the fact that there was a lot of, uh, there wasn't much evaluation going on. There wasn't much ranking and, you know, can this person actually skate this level? You know, it, it was just like, well, he can make it to the game. and he he's really good with, you know, he's really, him and the schedule know each other very well. So they're going to, he's going to get those games. And I had to wait a long time in order for to get my shot, even though I was more than qualified uh, skating ability and role knowledge. But there wasn't too many mentors that wanted to see me succeed because maybe I was a better skater than them, or maybe there's some sort of insecurity there. I know there's, there's times where guys were older than me and um, they kind of like, oh, this is going to be a tough one for you you know, oh, and, and I ask them questions, like, hey, what do you think about this? And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, if I were you, I would have done this. And I was like, okay, well, thank you. You know, maybe I'll look into that. Then I'd ask other officials, they'd be like, no, you wouldn't do that in that situation, you know, and then they tell me X, Y, and Z. So my best knowledge has really come from starting this age, um, asking the question. And at first, I remember when I started this page, the idea was to you know, get, you know, know get try to get as many officials as I could to, to join. But then I'd take a step back and say, all right, well, the things that I'm saying, are those correct? Because I was getting a lot of grief from, from other officials who were higher level. And I did respect, but I did end up getting into arguments with. And I tried to realize, I'm like, you know, I don't know everything. And you know what? Let's start with this. Instead of saying, this plays X, Y, and Z. Let's say, hey, what do you guys think about this play? And allowing that question to resonate with the, with the people answering on the other side, that way we can all come to a little bit of a consensus because it can't be this and it can't be that. We need to narrow the gap of, okay, well, all right, I think it's more like this or it's more like that versus something or there are two extremes of each other. So I definitely um, – I have to shout out Havarda Scovis, one of my good friends. He is, he's been refereeing for over 12 years and uh, he's a really great person and he's, uh, he's definitely helped me along the way and he's willing to help anyone else that, uh, that uh, piques an interest in hockey and and uh, any advice. So, shout out to you.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, this is a good question and we'll talk off air if, um, you know, if you ever need any advice with basketball or any of those other sports that I referee, I, I got you off air, but. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, I wanted to lace up the skates and, and try to officiate hockey. Now, remember, I have never, I've, I've done a couple of roller skating days and, and maybe I had a couple of dates where I was ice skating, but I was just trying not to bust my What advice would you give me for somebody that don't know how to skate like me?
1: Skating advice
0: or officiating advice? <laughs> officiating, officiating hockey if, if you, you can skate like me.
1: My biggest advice to anyone, whether you're a great skater or not a good skater, is don't uh, take Take your time when you make a call. When you see something and you think that you know you're reviewing in your head, like oh that could be a call. Take a second or two. It's okay if you're late to make the call, as long as you make the call. Um, I know there's times with a lot of uh, anyone who's new, they're 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 one. They're eager to overdo things, but they also are a little bit like a, deal in, a deer in headlights, where they they see something, they're thinking about it. And then it's been long enough where they're like, you know what, you know, maybe everyone forgot about it. Maybe I don't need to call that, you know, and then, you know, one of the worst things you could do is, is put your hand up for something that that isn't a call. Mm-hmm. Or, and so mm-hmm. allowing yourself to take a deep breath, look at what you saw, think about it, you know, and then allow it, you know, if you're going to be late and delayed a little bit, that's fine. Don't put so much pressure on yourself to make the call the exact minute it happens to be too sharp on things, um, because you can kind of get into a power struggle in that scenario where you're trying to do too much, you're a little bit confused in your head, you're not 100% sure that it's right, and sometimes just allowing the play to, to, to work itself out usually tends to be better advice than, than not as good advice. But, and, then, and then the other um, the other piece of advice I always tell people is make sure you blow that whistle nice and hard, because uh, you want to let everyone know that you're here.
0: Mm. <laughs> After everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a hockey official and of course content creator of Panda Referee? Wow,
1: that's a great one. You know, kind of uh figuring out what my pillars are. What what is the panda referee? What does he represent? I try to tell people it's not it's not a person. I'm not the panda. <laughs> it's the panda referee is a community. It's 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 a it's a place, it's a safe haven where You can feel okay to make mistakes. So I think the biggest thing for me, for my journey through this was what are the things that I want to stand for? And, you know, I for me, it's, 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 uh, it's awareness. I know as a person, uh, and as a driver on the road, I have not had the best awareness. (laughs) Um, and you know, realizing that, uh, you know, sometimes when you're multitasking, uh, you're not doing anything at a hundred percent, you're doing things, um, and that's not going to get the job done. So, being aware, having good time management skills, um, not rushing, having having an empathy for others when situations are happening. Um, I know for sure that when, when I first started officiating, people would argue with me. Well, I would argue back and, you know, I forget that I was an official. <laughs> you know, it ended up being, uh, oh, well, my ego is bigger than your ego. And you know, we don't want to get in that type of discussion with players because that really uh, diminishes our value and diminishes what we're trying to accomplish, which is settling the game down and and controlling it from uh, from more of a uh, an awareness standpoint where you know what you're doing and uh, and we're and we're the game is being played correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sportsmanship has been a pillar, a big pillar. Uh, player safety is at the top of it. Sportsmanship, for me, I mean, I I actually created a post today that was a great one that of, of um, older kids, a uh, U18 age group. Um, and the goalies uh, in between periods went to go fist bump each other and, you know, smiled and even said a couple of words. And, you know, you just don't see sports like that. I remember in the 90s, you know, my coach and referees would, would be laughing and having a great time. But then, you know, once we hit the 2000s, and um, I don't know what changed, um, definitely a lot more blaming. I don't know if the parents were drinking more or less drinking more, but it just seems like sportsmanship has gone away. Uh, the more money and more investment we put into our sports, you know, and, and it's a shame, but I'd like to see that go back the other way where, you know, I know the ref of the chant, ref, you suck. You know, a lot of referees, they'll just, you know, shake it off. It's fine. Especially at the professional level, you know, you've heard a lot worse, but you know, it does disturb me that that has become a pop culture norm and, I'd like to see that get reversed, you know? Maybe something like let them play sounds a little bit nicer (laughs) (laughs) rather than ref you suck because it's not always the ref's fault. Most of the time, they do make great calls. There may be one call, two calls a game that are a little bit on the controversial side, but that doesn't mean that they're wrong and it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think kind of like how how a lot of people uh, judge actors, you know, Oh, they played that role. That person must be a bad person because he plays an evil character in every role. Um, Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, So kind of uh, keeping, you know, I understand that in the professional level, you know, fans can, are going to be biased towards their team. And that's completely fine. I'm talking more about the youth level when, when, when sports stops becoming fun for the kids because the parents, the coaches or, or, or just, you know, the situation just gets out of hand and we forget why we're there
0: in the first place. Yeah, that's that's all great, great attributes that everyone should follow. I need If you ever get a chance to uh, get certified for basketball, we got to get you some of this smoke in New York City. Basketball in New York City is a jungle. It is a jungle. So, you know, you just kind of get used to all of the uh, vitriol that, that goes on because it's just par for the course. But what do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go and where do you want to go as an official and uh, with the panda referee,
1: yeah, that's a great question. I'd like to take the panda referee all over the country. I'd like to, uh, you know, possibly go overseas and uh, you know hold seminars, hold clinics. Maybe even, you know, one of the biggest the things with with refereeing when it comes to judgment in hockey is is uh, the element of body checking. And uh, a lot of players don't know how to body check. Um, a lot of them don't know how to receive a body check. So really emphasizing uh, the physicality. Of the game and teaching the players how to absorb a check as well as give a check I think is really big because two things two things that can keep you out from playing is injuries and uh, being penalized um, you know I'm sure parents aren't uh, happy when they see their kid in, in the box for half a period or or half the game and uh, and it's all because it could have been avoided with a little bit better education so that's that's one direction another direction is just Kind of promote the things that make sense to grow the game, and, and my example is um, maybe starting a, a 5K, but maybe you're on rollerblades and it's a little charity event. You doing things of that sort get people on rollerblades. Maybe more roller people will then turn into ice people. So, <laughs> especially when you're trying to grow the game in Florida, I think I think there's a, there's a tremendous opportunity to maybe do some online education. And, and get some really uh, great referees and maybe at the higher levels to, to be able to teach it. I'm still learning myself, but I, I just want to really promote the, the fact that, you know, it's really tough for kids to, to get a job right out of college. So if you played a sport and uh, you know the rules of that sport and you have an idea of what's happening, you know. Let's you know join the officiating crew because we're trying to grow the game, and we can only grow the game as fast as, as we have of the right number of officials. So if we we don't have enough, then it's, it's tough to have the game. So I think one of the biggest uh, aspects is is uh, integrating with the community, staying with staying close with them, and uh, and and knowing that you can you can make some pretty good money uh, being a referee. It could be a nice little side hustle, and uh, you just never know. Or know how that passion can then take, take you to other opportunities, maybe internationally, maybe to big tournaments. And, uh, and this is a special ride. So I encourage everyone to, to join, whether it's a soccer official, a ref, um, a hockey official, a basketball official, football official, um, a baseball umpire. Definitely get involved and, uh, and it'll help build your communication skills, life skills that, um, I use every single day.
0: If you can, describe the most sticky situation that you've ever had as a hockey official, and what's the most sticky situation that you've had thus far running the Panda referee?
1: Stickiest situation in officiating hockey, I would say, was, and this one I'm about to post probably in the next few days here, because I just like reposting. It doesn't happen too often, but when it does, it's, it's a really sticky situation. It's when a player shoots the puck from the opposite corner that you're standing in, you you blow the whistle and your intention to blow the whistle is to stop the play because in your eyes the goalie um, has the puck and he's holding it, right? You go over to skate to the to the to the net and you realize that the puck's already in, and that is a tough one because do you call it a goal? I mean it was in the net, right? But how do we know how it got in the net? <laughs> uh, did I see it going in the net? No. So you really can't call that a goal, and because your intention was to blow blow the play down so it's a no goal even though it's in the net but here's the other situation what happens if you know same thing happens guy shoots it he has it and um or maybe maybe it's get, it gets lost in the and then in the pads of, a, of the goalie and a player which this has never happened before but it is feasible someone hides the puck in their in their um in their pants pocket or something and they throw it in the net and they say oh it's a goal look the puck's in the net you know, so um, that was definitely a sticky situation. But the correct answer is it's no goal. It, if you intended to blow the whistle uh, prior to the puck on the net and the intention was to stop play, wasn't to call the goal. But, yeah, that's definitely the stickiest one because it, it you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't. And there's no way to look good in that situation. <laughs>
0: How about um, what is – Thus far, what is your best moment as a hockey official, and what's your best moment uh, thus far running the Panda the referee?
1: Best moment as a hockey official. Wow, that's a great one. You know, I had a really fun time refereeing uh, AAA hockey because there's been so much hockey up north that uh, hasn't. A lot of the rinks got shut down. Some of the some of the kids have come down here and played more hockey down here than expected. So doing that hockey was a lot of fun. Uh, just fast paced you know games uh, much of what you're probably anticipating with the basketball you see some players who are now top 10 in the country mm-hmm. competing for Team USA and, and things of that sort it's really special to say hey you know I got a chance to rep that kid and he's really good and you know I wish him the best and and you know it, it makes you want to follow their career that's definitely one of my top 10 officiating moments I got a chance to take a picture with Mike uh, Mike Richter which is my profile picture on Facebook now but he was a legendary goalie for the New York Rangers so Really, that was a lot of fun. My best moment, um, what was the other oh, my best moment as a Panda official since I started. Just, to, you know, every now and then I get these uh, DMs saying how much people appreciate just learning something from me every day, posting something. A lot of people saying, hey, like this situation happened to me. How do I handle it? Or, hey, you know, I, you know we don't have many opportunities uh, for education and where I'm from and in Russia or from you know whatever country they're from, and it's really nice to kind of get that feedback that you know what you do does matter. Whether you get one like or whether you get three thousand likes, it doesn't matter. Um, what matters is that you're putting good information out there. You're putting something that's close to your heart and something that you're passionate about. And I know for me, I I definitely want to challenge the status quo. You know, I know there's a there's a rule book for for every league that you can play in, but you know really thinking outside the box as an official and be like does this rule really make sense why does this rule exist and could, could you know if we did change the rule how would it affect the play would it make the game safer or not as safe or how how can we how can we make the game faster how can we improve the game because um, the players are always adjusting to the rules as they should and i always tell players you know i want to be as much as communicative as possible to you so then you guys know what to do next. You're not looking at me and saying, oh, is he going to call a penalty? Is he going to do this? You know, I don't want you to delay your game. I want, I just want to speed your game up. So then, um, level of play keeps going and, uh, and we have a great game. So, so I think that those are really important keys for me.
0: Mm. Okay. As we fu- I wrap this up, I just got two final questions for you. Hockey has been such a, embedded in your life for for so long what does hockey mean to you what is it given to you in your life
1: hockey has given me just opportunities it's got me a chance to meet a lot of great people Given me educational opportunities it's given me travel opportunities it's given me a purpose it's it's definitely uh and and, and the reason i officiate it all goes back to just giving back it's, it, it means so much to me, and I know that uh, certain situations that's happened to me in officiating. I want it to be better for the next person. I don't want them to have to go through what I went through. I want them to know when they're right, I want them to know when they're wrong, and I want them to uh, to be to be okay with um, making mistakes, but just know that you know what I'll be better next time. And you know, whether you're a ten-year official like myself, or you're you, this is your first year. I'm I'm coming. I'm talking about my situation from experience. And uh, and I just wish someone had done that for me.
0: I like that. Well said. Now, I guess final question I have for you. Uh, I'm just watching CNN in the background. They're talking about the Moderna vaccinations that are underway at a Texas hospital since these two vaccines have been coming out. Uh, when do you think everything is going to get back to normal or some semblance of getting back to normal?
1: Well, I, I got to say that Florida has been one of the best states to live in during this. <laughs> we haven't had as many disruptions and kind of a lot more teams have been coming down here to, yeah. to participate, play uh, no matter what sport we're talking about. Uh, mainly because I think, you know, certain, certain cities in, in Tampa and, and other cities in Florida that are a little bit more spread out and there's a little more out, outdoor things. And maybe the numbers aren't as crazy. However, I do I do think, I mean, I really, it's hard to put a timeline on it. I'm hoping by the summer things come back to normal, but it just depends on how long the vaccine gets distributed and uh, how long we can guarantee everyone's health um, and safety. So um, safety first, hundred um, percent, whether it's player safety on the rink or on the court, on the field, but definitely safety first. So that's, uh, so I'm hoping summertime uh, I'd like it to be sooner, but um, you know, we'll see how long uh, the vaccine can get, can get distributed and, uh, and keep everyone safe as possible.
0: Yeah. Um, listen, Dave, I, we, we completely respect the things that you're doing over there at the pan, the referee. And uh, we completely appreciate all your contributions that you have for pushing the culture forward for officiating specifically in hockey officiating. We thank you. And I think this is the first, first of many collaborations we'll probably have. And I hope um, so let's stay in touch uh, for David Ben, Ben Mocha. Panda referee, this is Ralph the Ref, this is The Ramp. We are signing now. Peace.
1: Thank you.